Crimes of the Essence. I'm Chloe. And I'm Lauren. And we're going to start today with some exciting news. We've set ourselves up on Instagram. Yes. Which is at Crimes of the Essence. And Lovely. What else have we got, Lauren? We've got an email address. Yeah. <laughs> it's Crimes of the Essence, but the between the the and the essence, it's just one e at gmail.com. So if anyone wants to suggest cases or themes or anything. Or if you just generally got some feedback. Yeah, I just want to have a chat. That's fine too. Be, be kind. If you wouldn't send it to you now, <laughs> send it to us. <laughs> Our theme this week is cult leaders. Yes. Exciting. Very. Um, is the only time that our sign-off phrase will make any sense. So. <laughs> one, the one episode. So we'll just embrace that. Yeah, cult leaders. Um, yeah, exciting. So uh, quick disclaimer before we start, uh, same as last week. Yeah. Obviously there may be some distressing content. I'm not going to go into any details particularly, yeah. Um, but yeah, if if you're under the age of 18 you don't have parental consent yeah don't watch them no. also if you know if you're going to find things a bit unsettling yeah there are deaths there are you know distress that there's distressing content just don't don't watch it if you don't want to it's all good well said we don't mind <laughs> we're not offended no only a little bit just a, just a little bit yeah okay Lauren do you want to kick this off I'll give it a go my cult <laughs> of the day <laughs> is Kevin Skate, uh, who and the leaders were Marshall Applewhite and Bonnie Nettles, but I'm gonna focus on Marshall because little Bonnie isn't really involved that much later on. Heaven's Gate is the one for people who can like remember it but they're not sure. It's the dude that did all the videos. Did you yeah. see those? The like creepy yeah. sort of like um introductory videos to the cult yes little white guy little old dude very creepy Mm -hmm. um i feel like i knew those videos but i i didn't always associate them with heaven's gate so yeah now you've said that (laughs) but yeah he was uh he was born in 1931 in texas um and after going to university doing all the basic stuff he joined the army um, he was a music teacher for a little while, briefly covering his background here. Um, <laughs> but while he was working as a music teacher, he uh, had a sexual relationship with a male student. Um, so he ended up, obviously, he had to leave his workplace yeah. <laughs> because you, you can't have yeah. sexual relationships with students. Um, no, can't be doing that. No. So just a brief mention to that is that he was married to a woman and had kids 
So um, there have been some mentions. I haven't really covered it in this because I'm not, I don't think it's that relevant, but there have been some mentions about his like suppressed homosexual urges because he was pretty devout Christian at this point, you know, devout husband and father, Mm -hmm. at least everyone thought he was. Um, Yeah. And he was obviously having some struggles there. Um, So he was married for over 15 years in the end before this so by the time this started he was you know he wasn't a youthful little man no um so after this after he lost that job his father died a couple of years later so he he sort of fell into a deep depression as you know Mm -hmm. most people would I think um and after that he became close friends with Bonnie Nettles who was a nurse um somehow their conversations (laughs) led to them deciding that they were divine messengers of um this religion that they sort of create between themselves um so i don't i don't know how you get to that conversation personally but i appreciate that they really committed to it yeah interesting icebreaker yeah start that conversation i imagine yeah so they both had agreed between them that they were like these sort of prophets for this new uh, religion that they've created so I'll go into what that actually was in a minute but yeah they had a bookshop and a teaching center for a little bit and then they started traveling around America in 1973 to try and get followers and spread their beliefs <laughs> apparently during this time they literally only gained one convert Successful. clearly their theology was not like the most like exciting or um persuasive <laughs> at this point I mean they got one convert <laughs> Um, yeah. And yeah, so after that, 1975, he was jailed for six months because he didn't return a rental car. Um, very PG of him. <laughs> and while he was in prison, he spent a load of time sort of developing the theology that previously was clearly a little bit shit because no one mm. absolutely interested. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, so after that, once he got released, they went to California and Oregon and started building up an actual following. So Heaven's Gate, the actual beliefs that this is focused around is extraterrestrials, sort of, <laughs> yeah, sort of focused on, it's like got a sort of basis of Christian theology, but aliens okay. <laughs> is what I got from reading about it, like Christians, but with aliens. Okay. Um, hmm. So they believed God, or what people thought was God, was a highly developed extra extraterrestrial. Um and yeah, Marshall and Bonnie eventually claimed that they were sort of prophets with a higher level of understanding than other people. And I did read something about them thinking they were like walk-ins, which is like, I read it as a sort of like possession, you know, something in yeah. their body. Um, not an actual possession, but um, they believed that they were sort of a, high, a little bit of a higher being than a lot of other people. Okay. So Heaven's Gate members believed that planet Earth would be recycled, which was like described as wiped clean, renewed, refurbished and rejuvenated before 2027. And the only chance for their consciousness to survive was to leave their human bodies at an appointed time, um, which is, you know, a moment. Yeah, I'm like, I don't think I'm gonna make it. <laughs> um yeah, so this group was pretty standout at the time because it was really the first well known American cult in the sort of internet era. Like the internet developed while they were forming and then they really used it to their advantage. Like they shared their beliefs on it, 
they spread a lot on the internet and they made like a living on the internet by developing websites and stuff so they were the the first that really went in online yeah yeah, so they did I mean it got it developed as it went but they did sort of suggest that Marshall especially was a second coming of Christ which which is quite a bold claim so that's where the Chris I mean he was he was a devout Christian before this so I think his upbringing probably influenced that. Yeah. So their original beliefs were that they'd be transported with their bodies onto a spacecraft that would come to Earth and take them to heaven or like what they would call the next level. So death did not come into it. They they didn't have to do anything to do this. Their bodies and their souls or whatever you would call it would go straight onto the spacecraft. They'd sort of get zapped up like, you know, like, yeah. So this all changed when Bonnie died of cancer in 1985 because it completely challenged the entire doctrine. Uh, Yeah. Obviously, like, they'd suggested that Bonnie had been chosen by this next level sort of to be a messenger, but she died. She died of cancer and her body was still present, obviously. So then Marshall really had to shake shit up and completely (laughs) change his entire belief system. So um, the belief system was then refined to including the leaving of consciousness from the body as equivalent to leaving the Earth in a spacecraft. So he started Mm. separating from a full body zapping (laughs) to where, you know, souls can go to heaven sort of thing. Okay. I just think Marshall realised that persuading people that they were going to leave physically on a spaceship might be a little bit of a challenge, to be honest. Yeah, I don't think he was going to sell that. No. So that was a really, yeah, That I think personally that must have been like a huge turning point to the culmination of this cult. Because they yeah. really, before that, they really believed that they'd be sort of beamed up to space. Um, and yeah, have to I think do that. Was- yeah, it must have had like an impact because she was such a big part of the. Well, she was one of the prophets, wasn't she? Yeah. So if it didn't happen to her, it wasn't going to happen to anyone. Was no, it? exactly. And then obviously, like as it gets more and more developed, I think Marshall probably realised he had to do something a little bit more drastic to make for it to make any sense, really. Yeah. Um, they used a lot of imagery, like science fiction films various random imagery from science fiction in their cult which I think is very odd yeah (laughs) they were fans of Star Wars and they were fans of Close Encounters of the Third Kind and it was all very um yeah very alien-y um they used to like they suggested things like um Mary had been taken aboard a spaceship and impregnated with Jesus so they're really running with it at this point um, yeah, big fans of ET. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um, in the main group, it was only open to adults over the age of 18, and they'd give up all of their possessions and pretty much lived a life devoid of anything, indulgences, you know, um, pretty much anything. Everything was communal. Um, they really just didn't do anything outside of their little group, which is just a classic. It's just a cult thing, isn't it? Yeah. You can't you can't be chilling with other people if you're in a cult. No, it's not allowed. No. So apparently, one of the weird things they used to do was follow the master cleanse. So you know, alongside abandoning any of your family that didn't go with you and turning over all of your possessions and your money, cult members were asked to physically cleanse their bodies of impure things. So the master mm. cleanse is one of one part of this. So that would be 
um, cayenne pepper, lemonade and maple syrup, which is a diet I think people actually do, but they would do it for entire months and that would that would be all they would ingest for, for months. Oh. <laughs> You'd nope. be really sad, haven't you, if you're doing that? You couldn't pay me to do that. <laughs> I think I'd be so upset. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. The next level of extreme was sort of eight male members of the group, including Marshall, underwent castration um, <sighs> because you weren't supposed to indulge in any sort of sexual, um, you know, behaviours yeah. in this cult at all. Um, so, yeah, they, they happily went underwent castration. Apparently, before oh. they underwent castration in Mexico, like by an actual doctor, they'd given it a good go with a member of the cult oh. who was a former nurse. No. apparently it went incredibly wrong which i could have called i think really? <laughs> and almost resulted in the patient's death and at least one person left because of it so, um... i would i would have left <laughs> yeah so after that i think they were just like you know what it's fine we'll go we'll go to the doctors <laughs> yeah professional yeah. yeah um in 1996 they started renting a massive house for all of them which they called the monastery just a side note they paid i don't know where they're getting all of their money from i know that they did these websites and stuff they paid seven thousand dollars a month in cash and in the same month they purchased an alien abduction insurance What's that? <laughs> so apparently there are companies that cover niche insurances and alien abduction is one of them right <laughs> so you can pay to, to be insured from alien abduction you never can be too careful these days. No. That covered up to 50 members and pay would pay out a million dollars per person with the policy oh, covering wow. abduction, impregnation or death by alien. Wow. Yeah. That's a big payout. Yeah. So then we get onto Marshall's tapes because they're pretty notorious. He, he did one before sort of the mass suicide that this cult ends in um, where he explains why he's doing it. And how it was the only way to evacuate the earth. So just a note on what they believed suicide was. This group was against suicide, but their concept of suicide centred around turning against the next level when it was being offered. And they believed their bodies were only vessels helping them on their journey. So suicide would be not allowing their consciousness to leave their human bodies remaining alive wow. instead of participating in the group suicide was considered a suicide of their consciousness. Right. So that's, I mean, I don't think that really works, you know? Like, I don't think you can say you're, you're committing suicide by, by not committing suicide. I'm not sure that's... But yeah, so he talked about his little, um, his plans. He did all his little videos. He believed that was a spacecraft was trailing behind a comet that was really widely discussed at the time called Hale-Bopp. <laughs> this comet was was pretty notorious like it was extremely bright and it was considered the most widely observed comet of the 20th century but he was certain there was a spaceship behind it and that's terrible <laughs> and somehow he persuaded 38 followers to prepare for ritual suicide so that they could board this spacecraft Wow. So the members took phenobarbitals mixed with applesauce or pudding and washed down with vodka. Then they secured plastic bags around their heads after ingesting the mix to induce asphyxiation. So they had a backup plan, which is, you know, very solid. 
Um, they dressed in, this was something that was really talked about at the time, I think. They dressed in like identical shirts and joggers, brand new Nike shoes and like armband patches that read Heaven's Gate Away Team, which is a nice little Star Wars reference. Once a member was dead, a living member would arrange the body by removing the plastic bag from the person's head, followed by posing the body so that it lay neatly in its own bed with faces and to torsos covered by a square purple cloth for privacy. I think with Marshall it was 39 and they did this over three days in three groups um, with each of the remaining participants sort of cleaning up after each one. They know this because they think Marshall was the third to last that was sort of cleaned up and then the last two weren't cleaned up. They had the bags still on their heads and stuff. So there was, you know, two helped Marshall and then it was just the last two died on yeah. him. Um, yeah so that was that was really the culmination of this particular cult was this this mass suicide to get onto this spacecraft i found it interesting there was apparently there was three former members of heaven's gate died by suicide in the months following um, oh. and they think i think they think it was it is related they wanted to they did it in similar ways to the other cult members yeah, I think I think it's interesting that they saw what had happened and still thought that that was, you know, a reasonable yeah. thing to do. But um, yeah, yeah. Just I, the main thing I took from this research was that how inconsistent and unrealistic this cult is. Like, obviously, it was realistic enough for them at the time, but it makes yeah. me question how Marshall managed to persuade you know almost forty people to commit a mass suicide. Um, yeah. I did do a little bit of reading about about why people think they did that. He managed that anyway. But it's that classic, you know, um, cult isolation where you become completely dependent on the cult leader. I think most of the people that were in the sort of suicide group had been in the cult for around 20 years. There were some sort of that hadn't been. But the most, for the most part, these were people that had been there for a really long time, really isolated. You know, they they most of the time, I think they wore matching clothes. They even had matching like facial hair. The men. Um, oh, so they're, they're full on into it by yeah. this point. Then it was they they'd lost all sort of sense of independence. I think. Yeah. Um, apparently, they went out for a meal a few days before they died, where they were all dressed exactly the same. They'd pre-booked to have exactly the same meals, like a three-course meal, exactly the same. Um, same drinks, everything. I just think it's pretty obvious that these members were, like, heavily, heavily dependent on Marshall and that they probably weren't really set up for life outside of the cult. But, yeah, I mean, the men were getting castrated willingly, so I feel like it's... Yeah, by that point, you've sort of signed yourself over, haven't you, to this person and yeah. completely trust them. Yeah, so that's it, really. I mean... There is a lot about this, the extraterrestrial stuff, but it's, I could barely make sense of it myself. It's, yeah. it's very Christian theology with aliens smacked on top of it. <laughs> but it's, I think it's the fact that their understanding of aliens came from, like, film. Yeah. Yeah. That, what, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Those people had to be, like, in it. Because that is not something that stands up, isn't it? Like no. in terms of knowledge. No, and you think if if you're starting to use imagery from, you know, Star Wars or any other alien-based film, you can't. You would think you would question it immediately, wouldn't you? You'd be like, 
Yeah, for sure. Like, come on, like this is this is not this is it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but clearly not. I mean, I suppose if you've done if you've followed something for twenty years, there's not much of a way out for you. That's it. And you and especially like with the men giving that sacrifice and you know, being yeah. frustrated. It's, I suppose it's just that thing of like, well, I've done that, so I can follow this. This isn't so bad because I did that. Like Yeah. I also that commitment to make in mind. Because they did it, they committed suicide in sort of three days. Whether yeah. the people after the first day would would feel more like they couldn't get out of it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I mean, because you've dressed these bodies, um, yeah. moved these bodies, and you've watched them commit to something that they're expecting you to commit to. I just wonder if yeah. um, that kind of is the with no way out. Yeah, it's that kind of either commit to it or live with that guilt. Yeah, I guess. You know, especially with I, Marshall being there the whole time as well. I can't. Yeah. Imagine it was very um, reassuring. It would be interesting to have seen, like, imagine what it was like for the last two. Oh my! I literally, as I was reading that, I was like, that must have been terrifying. Yeah. Like, to be the last two. Especially when Marshall's gone, because I mean, he's your leader. Yeah. And it's just you, and you have to make that decision once he's dead to to go through with it. I just that that's bold, isn't it? Really bold. Very, very. But yeah, and I imagine because you said like they weren't dressed, were they? They still had the bags on their heads. I yeah. imagine they must have done it together yeah. at the same time. I also thought about that. Yeah, yeah, they must yeah. have gone straight away together, sort of thing. Oh wow! Because I was thinking, can you imagine if you were gonna, it, it was gonna be like one of you left? I feel like you'd have yeah. to say, "We're gonna have to do this together." Yeah, definitely. But yeah. <sighs> So that's a, an odd one. I just think it's interesting that because a lot of cults are just you you always have someone incredibly influential at the at the top. Like you do, you have to have that like dynamic character, don't you? But you yeah. don't have someone usually that's I don't know, like their beliefs are so odd. Like yeah. usually it's it's I feel like it's almost close to reality. And people yeah, it's to, relatable. Yeah, and people struggle yeah. to find the difference between it. Um, but yeah. this, I just, I just don't get it really at all. No, it's it's strange. Very. But he, he did manage to drum up a following. He did. I mean, I it concerns me that I think if it had been more of a realistic theology, that that forty could have been a lot more. Yeah. Could, yeah. It, you know, cults can get huge, massive, yeah. which follows straight into your one, doesn't it? It does, actually. It's quite a nice, smooth transition. Um, so my cult leader is Jim Jones of Jonestown. Um, so I think a lot of people know about this one. I'm going to go through, hopefully, some things that people don't know. Mm. So we'll start at the beginning. His full name was James Warren Jones. Yeah. And he was born in Indiana and was an avid churchgoer. So that religious background is there, just like Marshall. Like, okay. um, and he went to university, he was educated, and he had like quite a you know a future ahead of him. People were like, oh, he's going to go to Bama. Yeah. Um, he was quite the activist. Mm. And, you know, these this was more in his, his late, when he was in uni, that kind of thing. He was still very much on the religion 
like he was very into you know going to church and spreading the word and you know he he was he was a big part of that as a child obviously religion was a big part of his entire life um from his stemming from his childhood he was obsessed with religion yeah but he was also obsessed with death which it links in very well with what is to come yeah so you can tell it started early on that's interesting it that it started Mm -hmm. early and i think I'm pretty sure this was the same as the guy last week. Uh, he killed cats. Oh, classic. Yeah, so good start. <laughs> and not only did he kill cats, oh, he had a very early obsession with Adolf Hitler. All right. Okay. So some quite he was cool. described... <laughs> <laughs> interesting role models. Um, he was described by like, people that grew up with him or in his neighbourhood as a weird kid, I think is an understatement, personally. <laughs> yeah, he sounds a little bit weird, isn't he? That's like a really odd. nice teacher report, isn't it? Yeah. He's a bit <laughs> weird. He's, he's really clever and he applies himself, but he's a little bit weird. <laughs> so, not the strongest of starts, oh, no. Jim. But as I say, he went to, he went to uni. He was... Um, and he was an activist for civil rights. Mm. Uh, he was very, very vocal around the matters of racial integration to the extent that the church that he went to, the elders were refusing to allow black people to enter the church, essentially. And he left the church as a result of that. Oh. Um, because he was like, no. So when you look past the dead cat thing, you're like, this is promising. Can you look past the dead cat thing? That's the question. It's very true. It's, I don't it's know. If he kills cats, but he's got morals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. That's quite a you know like a LinkedIn title, isn't it? <laughs> it is. <laughs> oh god. Okay. Continue. But yeah. So he, which actually also leaving the church and having um, and being a civil rights champion. Mm. It was quite a big thing because his dad had a lot of connections to the KKK. Oh. So this was a big move, a bold move. Yeah. Um, oh, also linking to the um, race thing. Mm. He didn't just stop at the church. He would go to restaurants and deliberately try and catch out restaurant owners that were refusing to let black people enter. A little bit of a white hero. A little bit, yeah, he's, you know, it goes on, there's more. So he left the church, left the Methodist church, because they refused uh, black members. Yeah. And he had what he described as a rainbow family. Right. So they adopted children from various countries. Oh, God. Him and his wife. Yeah. And they were the first people in Indiana to adopt a black child. So they thought they were the bee's knees love it yeah fair enough so yeah you know quite an ego going already yeah one thing doing like really good things and another thing talking about it all the time which i think is what jim seemed to do it does sound like an ego trip for him yeah it's for show definitely it's a power thing he's got a big big power control thing going on yeah so In 1955, he established the Wings of Deliverance, which was a Pentecostal church, also known as the People's Temple. 
Oh. We, we can't forget, during this time, he was also volunteering to help the homeless. Oh, classic. I'm going to remember that, just drop that in there as well. Got it. Um, yeah, so he, he set up for Wings of Deliverance and he's concerned, you know, that there's going to be a nuclear war. Oh. It's going to affect his church. <laughs> so, <laughs> he, he decided, like, whilst he's making all these big decisions about the church and concerned about the nuclear war, he's a Christ-like figure. He's decided this. Oh. And he is going to now be named the prophet. Oh, we love that. You so, can see parallels. Yeah, yeah we have a your <laughs> <laughs> um, So, shockingly, it became very evident very early on that he was obsessed with power. Mm. No shocks there. <laughs> so he, he would like he would exert his power in various ways. Uh, he made sexual advances on male and female members of his male cult. Oh. His wings um, and he got himself into quite a sticky situation uh, as he faced a lot of allegations uh, around <laughs> basically it's again similar to Marshall okay. he asked members of the cult to divert their incomes into his bank account <laughs> so they wouldn't see any of the earnings or the money that they had it would all go to him. Oh, it's a full business. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. He thought it through. Yeah. And um, so because of these accusations, and I assume the nuclear war that was, you know, he was concerned about, yeah. they decided to emigrate to Guyana. And this is where they set up Jonestown. Nice. Wow. So, yeah. So these big, big months for yeah, Jim. Very. So now he's on a major power trip at this point. He's... Not only got everybody's money, he's also confiscated everyone's passports, so no one is going anywhere. Mm. And continued to manipulate it through blackmail, beatings, and probable death. Mm. Yeah. Um, That's interesting, isn't it? Because it's it's like the moment you start taking people's passports away, it gets like gets a little bit weird, doesn't it? It gets serious then. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. You're not even persuading people to stay. You're just not even letting them leave. <laughs> no, there's no option anymore. No. So on top of, you know, confiscating passports, blackmailing people, beating people, they also were practising ritual mass suicide. He called these the White Knight rehearsals. Oh, God. And his... So they used to frequently rehearse these, like, to the extent of, like, you know how when you're at school, you rehearse fire drill? Yeah. This was like the kind of, you know, this was a regular occurrence with people. But he basically said the reason they were doing this is because they only had four options. Yeah. They could either attempt to flee to the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. Oh, I should also mention here, Jim was a huge communist. <laughs> of course he was. Um, that's not really become quite evident. Um, the second option was to commit revolutionary suicide. Right. The third was to stay and fight, and the fourth was to flee to the jungle. And we're and we're leaning towards suicide, are we? We're going for revolutionary suicide, apparently. Really? That was rather than yeah. you know fleeing or 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 just okay. I'd flee to the jungle. I would do anything else. I feel like I exactly. wouldn't lean straight towards suicide personally. No. Okay. Um. Yeah, but you know. <laughs> Jim disagreed, <laughs> um, but his his big statement was, "We're not committing suicide. 
this is a revolutionary app. So, yeah. Um, it's also important to note that when they were doing the rehearsals, the people didn't actually know if it was a rehearsal or real. Oh. So the way in which they committed the mass suicide was drinking um, Kool-Aid, which was laced with cyanide. Oh. And so they would they would do the rehearsal, not knowing if the Kool-Aid was actually laced with cyanide that time or not. Well, that makes it a bit stressful, doesn't it? Yeah. So people have absolutely no idea. And I've got like um, a chunk of like a an interview that one of the people, one of the survivors gave. Yeah. Well, one of the people that affected, so I'll read one minute. That's quite interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so all of this sort of stuff is going on there. They're practicing this like mass ritual suicide. And people on the outside of Jonestown are starting to hear things because naturally you would. Yeah. Um, a few people had already defected. So things were getting out at this point. Mm. And it just looks a bit weird that they've, you know, upped and left to the yes. and now no one has any contact. Yeah, it's very odd. Yeah. So as a result of that, there'd been a lot of reports of alleged abuse. So um, the journalists came in to investigate. Nice. Um, and the main guy was Liam Ryan. He was visiting to launch an unofficial investigation into alleged abuse. Mm. So four days after uh, Leo arrived, um, him and his team were ready to leave. And 14 individuals from the cult had also decided they were going to leave. Okay. With them. So they're heading towards um, their plane. Yeah. Home, and Jones called in the Red Brigade oh. to assassinate everybody that was leaving. Uh, because he was scared that these people were going to be back and report everything that was going on yeah. and he was going to get caught because obviously he had a guilty conscience clearly he knew what he was doing wrong yeah so as a result of the act Ryan and four others were killed um, three of those four were members of the news team oh. which means that nine were able to escape good, good which clearly again played on Jones's guilty conscience yeah. and he launched his plan into action at this point so on the 18th of November 1978 mm. he commanded his followers to drink cyanized adulterated punch which was Kool-Aide mm. uh, which was just like a grape flavoured drink yeah. I assume yeah. similar to a cordial kind of thing Yeah, but again when they did the rehearsals they didn't know if it was laced or not so it's it's that kind of at this point, the adults had started to notice that clearly this was going to be it. Yeah. The children had no idea that they were drinking poison. No. Um, so, Jones made sure that the children drank it first, then the parents, and then Jones and his like, Red Brigade, his team, yeah. that he had that was enforced everything. Those that refused to drink it were shot. Yeah. to ensure that there were no survivors and I find this is I mean the whole thing angers me but this angers me even more Jones himself was found with a gunshot wound to the head <clears throat> which they believed was self-inflicted wow which yeah so everybody else it took 45 minutes on oh, average God. to decide to kill yeah. people 
and he himself yeah. is instant. Yeah. So, yeah. Also, that does parallel with his earlier obsession with Hitler because he also commented that he, like, really looked up to the way Hitler, you know, also did the same thing. He also thought, he thought it was very, like, valiant and very, like, he really... He loved it. He thought it was like the best thing to do as a leader. That that was a really like that it was a really brave act, and you know. So clearly, that's also inspired. How can you like really love Hitler and also support? You like like be really angry when people don't <laughs> let black people into a restaurant. Yeah, there's there's some real like he, he's not he's, he's not quite connected him, is he? No, really not, no. Um, so yeah, after that, the troops arrived the next day, and then the death toll was nine hundred and thirteen, <sighs> two hundred and seventy-six of which were children. Oh my god! Um, which again, they had no idea what was going on. Um, so yeah, before nine eleven, which is actually today, yeah, yeah it is. Um, the Jonestown massacre was considered the largest number of American civilian casualties. So that's, you know, the extent yeah. of how huge this was and how this this was the 70s and this really, like, shook. Yeah. Shook. I mean, well, I think yeah. the world, not just America. It's, it's massive, isn't it? Like, huge. Yeah. yeah, it was, yeah, quite a quite a feat. So I'll read, we've got yeah, to yeah. yeah, I'll read this um, Little, just because I found it really interesting, like she she defected before obviously this happened because people didn't survive. No, the, no, um, the actual thing. But yeah, like people had defected earlier, and um, before he decided, you know, he wasn't going to let people leave anymore. No. So yeah, so she she said everyone, including the children, were told to line up. As we passed through the line, we were given a small glass of red liquid to drink. We were told that the liquid contained poison and that we would die within 45 minutes. We all did as we were told, and the time came when we should have dropped dead. Reverend Jones explained that the poison was not real and that we had just been through a loyalty test. He warned us that the time was not far off when it would become necessary for us to die by our own hands. And that just, I think that just sums up, like, that like just that bit really got yeah. to me like the, you know, the fact that these people he he needed them to do it themselves yeah. and he couldn't go through the same thing as them like it was you know that power thing power trick right yeah it's it's interesting as well I think like um I mean from when you said it about you know doing those sort of practice um where they'd give them the drinks and they wouldn't know if they were going to die or not like yeah. that is such an obvious like power play like the moment you see someone take a drink who knows that that they could die you know or whatever yeah. you know you've got full control of them like that's it like you don't have to do that once for to be like yeah I'm confident that this is going to work yeah. um yeah. mad no it is mad the fact that he couldn't even go go through with it himself at the end yeah it's unbelievable it's just it's so many people in it you can't even you can't really even imagine it and i think it it really puts it into perspective like you know how how it started out and he's you know oh i volunteer for the home yeah i'm a champion for civil rights yeah 
and then it's like I'm gonna do this to this many people it's insane it's mad I just... but you can see you know where he's getting his inspiration yeah from, I think. yeah it's I think it just that number of people to to I, th- I think the thing is with this one it's not even like you know everyone was consenting or he had like a doctrine that everyone was like 100% down with and understood and wanted to do as it's like it's as soon as you take away someone's right to leave I feel like it changes into something completely different like you've basically got a prison camp full of people and that's it like it's it's mad the numbers are mad especially when you've when you said about it being one of the like the largest um civilian yeah. Yeah, i just think that's mad yeah it is like you know nearly a thousand yeah people. and so many kids as well yeah and all led by like one person who's put these ideas in yeah it's not a power play you know, yeah mad you can it's i think it's interesting i think it i think it's the same with all groups really. yeah you can see the parallels between the two oh, yeah massively yeah you just you've always got that 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 powerful leader that for some reason feels the need to have that sort of influence over over everyone i think it's interesting that he was such a weirdo as a child like um yeah yeah and what his you know what would his life have been like if he hadn't gone in that direction because i mean killing cats is just not a good sign is it it's not no, um, most got a serial killer kind of thing. Yeah, and if you've got that, you know, if you've got that behaviour and you're very, I don't know what you'd say, what you'd call it, like really dynamic and able to lead people in that way, it's like, you know, it's like the a power, a complete ability. Oh, I don't know, I just think it's mad, like a complete ability to, con- to control whoever you want. Yeah. Um. No. Horrible. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. I just died. Yeah. It's hard to even like talk about it, discuss it because yeah. it's it's just so many people. And I always think with those sort of things, like I know there's I think there's some photos of Jonestown and stuff, but um, yeah. It's so hard to visualize how many people that would be and how many families that would affect um outside of jonestown you know like relations and stuff that's such a huge a huge number horrible yeah yeah wow yeah i always find jonestown one really interesting because it's just there's nothing like it is there really and every time i read about it i find something different yeah i didn't know yeah it's it's a lot. I mean, when you've got that many people in one space, I mean, the fact that they they attack the reporters or whatever that kind of shows his panic, doesn't it? Oh yeah, it was it was that instant like because he knew they were leaving and it was they were literally on the runway. Yeah, he like sent the order and it was almost that like right. We should go back and tell people. That. Yeah, this is gonna not. This is gonna lighten the dark mood. But I'm sure there's something almost exactly the same in Far Cry. 
<laughs> I'm like, I'm like having flashbacks <laughs> to a game I've played where they've definitely t- literally just taken that experience completely. I remember seeing an advert for it. I've never yeah. played it, but like, I'm thinking that's very Yeah, similar. it was that it's, I can't remember which one it is, four or five. Someone will be really upset. Um, but it's, it's so incredibly culty and it's very, it's very Jonestowny, like really very odd. Um, and there, there is, there is a bit in, oh God, I really hope I'm talking about the right game. Um, <laughs> um, but there is a bit in one of the games I've played where there are reporters going in to see this cult and they get attacked as they're leaving. Um, but I think it's that thing. It's that like fear of the outside, isn't it? Um, but it's yeah, so different. That yeah, thing. that that control, the fact that he had this like authority. Because I mean, it is it is a town, isn't it? Like, there's so many people. Yeah. The fact that he had these, um, you know, figures that were contr- like the authority figures, and all these other things, yeah. and the fact that he'd stopped them leaving, it makes it so different from so many other cults that were you know, fully, pretty much fully consensual, even if you consider them to be, like, manipulated or whatever. Yeah. Matt. Yeah. Very interesting, though. I hadn't heard all of that before. Yeah, I thought it was, like, I didn't know about the, like, I knew they did rehearsals, but I didn't know. No. The people didn't know. That's terrifying, isn't it? Yeah, because you never, I'm never going to know. It's in his control. Yeah. your hands. That's that must have been such a boost for him, you know. Like, these oh, people yeah. who knew their lives were in his hands and he had full control. Yeah. I just oh mad. Uh-huh. Don't forget to check out our new Instagram, Crimes of the Essence. Today's been very culty. See you next time. <laughs> another episode of Crimes of the Essence. Bye. Bye. Only and done it. Only gone and done it. <laughs> We've smashed it. Well, that's bold.